This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Well, good morning from Salt Lake City, Utah. It's great having you with us today here live as well as uh, those that are watching via Facebook or YouTube, uh, maybe somewhere else in the world via the internet. So this is a, a, a quick overview of some of the practical steps that we will implement in sharing our faith with others. Uh, so my background, uh, I was a pastor here in Salt Lake City back in the 80s and the 90s. And uh, we started a church two blocks from the LDS Temple back in uh, late 1985, early 1986. And we started from scratch. Um, my family moved from Colorado and settled in Salt Lake City. And we just began a gathering process. And from the outset, we made a commitment that we would try to share our faith, uh, whether door to door, with all those people that we met from time to time. Uh, We would use our services as an opportunity to introduce people to uh, saving faith through Jesus Christ. And so through various forms of evangelism, we shared our faith for uh, about 16 years here in Salt Lake City. And and thanks to to, to God's grace, we were instrumental in seeing many LDS people uh, many people from religious backgrounds and many people who had no background whatsoever as it related to uh, religious experience surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. So thanks for joining us. And uh, I want to go through 10 practical steps building upon uh, the things that Jason shared in session one. And there'll be one follow-up session that uh, will really focus on uh, the importance of the Holy Spirit as we share our faith and, and the reality of power evangelism. That'll be next time. But today, I want to cover 10 practical steps to sharing our faith in Jesus Christ. And I'll move through these relatively quickly. Um, time is of the essence. And then we'll actually go out and share our faith with people in the community, which I always encourage us to do. It's one thing to be a hearer of the word. It's altogether another thing to be a doer. And being a doer is what makes the difference. Um, Head knowledge is great, but knowledge puffs up. What we want to do is we want to we want to give wings to our knowledge. We want to give wings to our faith and let people know that Jesus is Lord and what He's done in our life. And let me just say at the outset, this is very important that this is God's work. Uh, a lot of us get overwhelmed when we think about sharing our faith, or we think about evangelism, or witnessing, telling people, and making ourselves vulnerable. But this is God's work. God is reconciling people to himself. He's reconciling the earth to himself. That's his work. And he just lets us share in it with him. So I'll I'll allude to it later, but Paul said, one sows, another waters, like you were sowing the seed, you were watering the seed so that it would grow, but it's God who gives the increase. This is not something that we do. We don't save anyone. We don't make the difference. God makes the difference, and we're simply cooperating. So it really takes the pressure off when you look at it from that point of view. So the first step, uh, I believe, is understanding the whole, the whole discipleship uh, response. Uh, in Matthew 28, verse 20, Jesus tells the apostles, teach those that you introduce to the faith, teach them to observe everything that I have commanded you. So we know Jesus instructed 
and modeled ministry for the 12 apostles, and then he sent them to make disciples and for, for them to adhere to the very same things, the very same teaching that he had shared with the apostles. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, from the New Living Translation, Paul tells Timothy, a young minister, you have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So this is the discipleship process where you take the things that you've heard and now you're practicing, but you don't just practice them, you share them with others who will also practice them and be able to teach others as well. Now we gave you a handout, um, but we'll put it up here on the screen, which is the stages of the discipleship process. Uh, this is a, a, a process that I developed. It's, it's simply based on uh, you know, the biblical um, outline, but I put this together back in about 1986 or 87 and uh, just updated it for uh, our purposes today. But I want you to look at these stages. If you look on the left, there are basically a category of belief, a category of the type of person or the, the orientation that a person has. And then in the center column is their condition. And then finally on the right column is the objective that we have as we consider them. So when we, we talk about categories and we're talking about sharing our faith, we're really focusing in on unbelievers, people who don't know the truth, people who have not yet surrendered their life to God through Jesus Christ. They are unbelievers and their condition is that they are lost or they're, they're not being fed. And our objective with those people is evangelism. We want to share our faith. We want to introduce them to the gospel. When someone hears the good news and believes it, an unbeliever becomes a convert. That's their classification. And the, their condition now is they're experiencing new life. And they need to be fed. They need to grow. And our objective is to establish them in the faith. So that's really where discipleship begins. So there are people who, who will surrender their life to Christ, and right from the outset, they become stubborn and resist following Jesus. What's one of the first things we should do after we make a commitment to Christ? We should be baptized in water. But yet, in churches throughout America, today there are people who've never been baptized because they decided they didn't want to. For whatever reason, they just don't follow Jesus. It's, it's not a suggestion, it was a commandment. Go and make disciples, baptizing them. It's the first step. So once we take that step of baptism, we, we really are moving from a convert to a disciple. And now we can establish that person in the faith. So the convert becomes a disciple. And a disciple literally is a learner-follower. And they're learning to feed themselves. That's their condition. And our objective is to equip them and release them for the work of ministry, to, to help them identify their gifts, their passion, and release them and let them go. Let them get busy. A lot of times we think, well, you know, I've got to probably be a believer for two or three or five years, and then maybe I can serve or then I'll be qualified to share my faith. Actually, new believers in the first century church were sharing their faith the day they got saved. They were telling people what Jesus had done for them, and, and we should follow in suit. So the disciple 
is being equipped for ministry and ministers, and that they become that. They become actually a servant leader, a minister, a servant. That's a laborer in the harvest field. And their condition is that they're now feeding others, and they're engaging lost people. So see, there's a process that we're wanting to take people through. If we follow the first century methodology, it's not just that we have church services and we ask people if they want to say yes to Christ, and then they just join the church and become a part of a program. No, we want to take them through this process where they become ministers themselves and start engaging the lost and the objective is that they extend ministry. We all want to be extending ministry. We don't want to relegate that to the pastoral leadership. We want everyone to participate. And so when you're ministering effectively, then you potentially could become a leader. And there's all types of leaders in the body of Christ. The leader, um, the condition is he's the shepherd, or it could be an apostolic calling. Now, apostolic means sent one. So don't get bogged down saying um, there can't be modern-day apostles there are modern-day sent ones. We, we, we'll leave it for another time to discuss the theology of whether there are actually apostles today. We know that there was the 12, and we know that they were unique. We know that when one uh, left his position, Judas, he was replaced in Acts chapter 1. We know that there was at least another apostle, Paul, um, called directly by Jesus, and they were sent ones, and we know there are still sent ones today. So the leaders are shepherds, and they are equippers, and they feed the feeders. And that's really what we want to see is the development of gifts and people. Not everyone will have a shepherding-type role. And we know that there are the gifts mentioned in Ephesians 4, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, which Jesus gave as gifts to people, it tells us. Uh, but the, this type of leader really becomes a, a leader of leaders. So this is sort of the process that we want to, to experience and go through. So whenever I'm sharing my faith with someone, I'm thinking about not just they need to come out of darkness into the light, but I'm thinking they need to develop in this discipleship process to become all God intended them to be and to be a part of his kingdom work which is really amazing. So that's step number one. Step number two is to share his story. I really like to emphasize this. Share his story, not, not, uh, not just our stories. A lot of times we, we really we think when we share our faith, we got to share our testimony. And, and, and that will be true. We'll get to that in a moment. But really it's important for us to recognize that what we're doing is we're declaring the gospel. Mark chapter 16 verse 20 says, then the disciples went out and they preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word with signs following, the signs that accompanied it. So I believe that we need to sow the seed of the word of God and not just our experience or our testimony. Tell people what God's word says. And so just a couple of suggestions or ways you can do that. You've probably heard of this somewhere in your experience. Uh, you can take your Bible and you can literally outline it and you can use your Bible as a map to lead others as you're sharing with them your faith in Christ. So one of the popular methodologies that uh, I've used since since I was a teenager, is called the Romans Road. Maybe you've heard of the Romans Road, which is just using some verses in the book of Romans. And what we used to do is we'd actually mark the verse, and then at the bottom of the page, we'd write what the next verse was. And then you'd turn to that 
verse, and then at the bottom of the page would be the next verse. And in this, in this example, there's actually seven verses that you would use. So let's just say you're talking with someone, and they, they show an interest, and they, they open up and, and welcome you to share your faith. Well, you can tell them your testimony and your experience, or you can take them right to the Bible, and you can tell them what God says. And I love this, uh, this example. So Romans chapter 3, verse 23 then 6, verse 23, then Romans 5, 8, Romans 10, 13, Romans 5, 1, Romans 8, 1, and Romans 10, 9. So if you're talking with someone, it's a simple process of having your Bible and opening it up and pointing to the verse, and you're getting someone accustomed with the fact that this isn't just your opinion, this is God's word, and this is what God says. So in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. All sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then you can take a moment to comment on that or you can just jump right over to Romans 6.23 which tells us for the wages of sin is death. You're earning something by your sin. It's death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And then Romans chapter 5 verse 8 and we just move back and we point out that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So we're giving them God's word. And you say, well, you know, I'm just reading verses to them and I don't know that I'm being that effective. Shouldn't I be giving them my point of view and my perspective? Give them God's point of view. Give them God's word. It's amazing and it's effective. And then on to Romans 10 verse 13. And I just take time and you're just, you know, you're lacing your conversation with scripture and, and you're sowing it into their heart. It's so valuable. It says in verse 13, Romans 10, for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. As you're reading these verses, you're going to be introducing all kinds of top, topics and subjects and answering questions that the individual may already have that you're not even aware of. And then back to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So we start out at enmity with God because of our sin and the separation that it causes, and that God welcomes us, and now we're being united to God. It's amazing. And then Romans 8, 1. So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So... We're, we're taking people through this whole process, and you could do it in just a matter of a few minutes, but then God can take that word that's in their heart, and he can cause that to grow. And then, of course, Romans 10, verse 9, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. So then we lead him in a prayer. We ask him, what, what, what would stop you from praying right now and just asking God to come into your life. You're acknowledging that you've sinned and that sin is separating you and that God has created a remedy for that sin. And now you simply need to, to ask God simply by praying or by talking to him. So that's the Romans road. You can do that with the Gospel of John. You can do it with the book of Acts. You can create one yourself that you like to use, but the Romans is so simple and you can do it with three or, or four verses. You don't need to use all seven. Then uh, another great example is from 1 John chapter 1. I like to use 1 John 1, 5 through 10. This is the message God has given to us to announce to you. So I'm talking to someone and I just say, can I just share with you what, what God's message is for you today? Because this is his message to you. God is light and there is in him no darkness at all. 
So we're lying if we say that we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not living in the truth. But if we're living in the light of God's presence, just as Jesus Christ is, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from every sin. If we say we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from every wrong. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar, and we are showing that his word has no place in us. So you can see that is a great passage for somebody who may be religious, who may be talking about their, their own righteousness. It could also be for someone who's just never heard whatsoever. And just using the word and letting the word do its work. That's the second step, sharing his story. And just never uh, overemphasize the importance of, of sowing God's word. Number three is share your story. Here's where we get to our testimony. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks you why you're living the way you are. And always do so with the utmost courtesy. That's from the message translation, but every translation of it uh, is excellent. Be ready to speak up and tell people who ask you. People ask you questions, but be ready to share. So in sharing our own testimony, first of all, I encourage you to develop that. Think that through. Um, we used to literally outline our testimony and, and, and write it down and develop our own personal track, our own personal story that we could share with people. This is what God has done for me. And, and let me just give you four suggestions, four ways that you can do it. Uh, the first one is to use a timeline. This is what a lot of people who have really been raised in the church, they'll use this first method, the timeline, because they really don't have a, a moment where everything just dramatically changed or they didn't live in sin and then, and then suddenly meet Jesus and everything was turned right side up. But there are people who, who grew up in Christian homes and they have a hard time identifying some, you know, Damascus Road experience like, like Saul of Tarsus had. So instead, you just say, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian home, and this is what, and I came to this point where I recognized my need for Jesus Christ. I needed to be forgiven of my sin. I needed to make a personal commitment, no longer relying on my parents. And since I made that decision, this is what my life is like. So that you just develop your testimony using a timeline. Um, the second is a before-after. The before-after is great for somebody who was living in sin. You know, I was doing drugs, and I lost my house, and I lost my car, and I lost, I lost everything, and I lost all hope. And then so, somehow so this event happened, and I met Christ. So it's a before Christ, after Christ, with the conversion being highlighted. So you can use verses to talk about these things, but you're, you're really sharing what happened to you personally. The next one is the divine encounter. Maybe some of you have had that experience. That would be Saul of Tarsus' experience on the Damascus Road. Literally on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians, and Jesus appears to him and knocks him off his horse. And there are people around us today who have had experiences with God that are dramatic in that sense. A divine encounter, a Damascus Road encounter. If that's yours, then outline that in your mind Write it down on paper. Be, be ready to share it because it'll help people. And then the last example, these are just examples, would be religion versus relationship. This is really great for people who came out of a religious experience. 
such as myself. I was raised Roman Catholic, very steeped in religion and tradition and dogma, but I never knew Jesus. And as a young person, I realized that for me it was a, it was a dead-end street, and I quit fellowshipping, so to speak, with the, with the Catholic community, and two years later, I had an actual encounter with Jesus Christ and surrendered my life to him, realized that I mattered to him and that he died for me personally. So talking about your religious baggage of the past, then I met Christ. So we're really contrasting our human efforts with grace in, in that uh, presentation of our testimony. So the great thing about witnessing and sharing is you can do it all the time, you can do it everywhere, and you can, you can do uh, different uh, portions of all of these different things that I'm suggesting. Just experience uh, the, the different ways to present. I really find that it's a trial and error uh, type of experience sharing our faith. And the more you do it, the more you'll become comfortable. Let's go on to number four, follow or imitate godly leadership. This is important, and it's really uh, illustrated for us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul says to the believers in Thessalonica, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message, and so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, and now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it. We don't have to preach anymore because you're doing the preaching. These are new converts who believed the message and then became a model of Christianity. You don't have to wait for months or years. That can happen immediately if you train people correctly. And so leadership establishes or sets the pace, and then uh, those who are disciples and following begin to share their faith, and the church multiplies. Let's go to number five. Go everywhere proclaiming the word. Some of us will wait for days like today where we gather, go through a little bit of teaching, pray, and then we go out and share our faith. We go with a purpose to go tell people about Jesus, but we really need to be sharing our faith every day, everywhere. Mark 16.20 says, The followers went everywhere in the world, and they told the good news to people, and the Lord helped them. So just wherever you're going, just be that person, be the light, be the salt, and let people know what God has done for you in your life. Acts 8.4 says, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. So again, don't relegate it to a, a witnessing opportunity or occasion. Number six, start at home and go to all and every. Go to all, all people, and every person. Starting at home, Acts 1.8 says you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then all Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. When Jesus commissioned the early church, he says you're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Start where you are. Start in Jerusalem. Then go to the surrounding communities. Then reach out even further to places like Samaria where the half-breeds live. And then go out from there to the ends of the earth. Acts 10.42 says, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. So we're to teach all nations, but we're to teach every creature. We're to persuade people. Those 
really are the focuses. Now, real quickly, let me talk to you about the 414 window. Maybe you've heard of this before. The majority, about 63% of Christians today, according to the National Association of Evangelicals, accepted Christ during this 414 window. That is between the ages of 4 and 14. 63% of all Christians. Two out of every three believers make a commitment to Christ before their 18th birthday. And according to the Barna Group, only 6% of adult Christians made their decision to follow Christ over the age of 18. So what does that tell us? It tells us when we go out today, there's nothing wrong with talking to kids. There's nothing wrong with talking to teenagers because that's really the mission field. There's adults occasionally that'll make a commitment. But about six out of 100 adults will be open and let you share with them and possibly commit their life to Christ. The vast majority will be children. And I realize most of them will make a decision because of the influence of their own parents or family or those close to them, correct? So I would also say be careful, be sensitive. You know, you don't want to be out in the park sharing and, and, and corner a bunch of kids and you got several adults and you got little kids there and you're, you know, you're, you're teaching them because you could really offend some parents. But particularly with teenagers, you got a lot of teenagers that are out there, share. And, and that's why, you know, that if we use tools, it's always good to have a tool that you could provide to a teen. Something that would be um, meaningful and that would be helpful to them. So I really think we need to focus in on the young people. And, of course, that's something that the local church can do through all of its children's uh, programs and, and ministries, et cetera. Let's, let's go to number seven. This is really important. When we share our faith, we want to be filled with and go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Next session, Pastor Jason will really focus in on this. But Jesus said in John 14 that the, that the, the comforter that's coming, he is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. He says the world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him, the world being those that don't know God. And they don't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you and later he will be in you. You see, after Jesus rose from the dead, he sent the Holy Spirit to live in believers. And so now when you make a, a, a confession of faith and you open your life up to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit actually takes up residence in your life. It's amazing. So we want to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Acts 1.8, we read it before, it says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. So today, you know, when we go out before we share our faith, we're, we'll just gather and we'll, just, we'll receive again the power of the Holy Spirit. We accept that. We believe that he's empowering us to share our faith. He, he wants us to be full of his Holy Spirit. And so we go in his strength and not our own. Number eight is act as Christ's ambassadors. Act as Christ's ambassador. Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I appointed you, or I ordained you that you should go. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, God has given to us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave to us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making this appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So that we, we have that message to tell people, come back to God. He created you. 
He loves you. And that's what an ambassador does as they represent the entity, the institution, the government from which they've been sent. Number nine, fortify yourself with go scriptures. I think one of the reasons more of us don't share our faith regularly is because we really haven't hidden the word of God in our heart relative to evangelism. And there are so many amazing passages. I, I, I'll give you a few. 1 Corinthians 3.6, one sows, the other waters, God gives the increase. John 4.38, Jesus says, I have called you to reap where you haven't sown. You see, we're in Salt Lake City, and a lot of people say, well, Salt Lake City's a hard place. You know, there's been believers living in this valley for decade after decade, and praying, and sharing, planting, watering. And as I observe, as someone who lives outside of Utah now, and see the many churches that have been established and that are fruitful, that have blossomed, a lot of that, they've built on the labor of those that have come before them decades and decades prior. Don't assume that when we go out, we're starting from scratch. We have no idea the extent to which somebody's been exposed to the message of the cross. Somebody's been already witnessing to them. They already have a life experience that is drawing them toward God. We, we, we have the opportunity to reap many times the harvest when we really didn't do anything. And that's, of course, what Jesus tells the disciples when they go into the village in Samaria where the woman goes and tells the men, come and meet a man who told me everything I've ever done. And the disciples get to go and be a part of this revival that breaks out in a Samaritan community as Jesus ministers to and encourages this, this woman at the well. Proverbs 11.30 says, he who wins souls is wise. Whenever I, I become fearful, just keep chewing on that. He who wins souls is wise. God gives the increase. He's called me to reap where others have sown. Daniel chapter 12 verse 3 says, Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Those who lead people to Christ will shine. There are bright lights in the kingdom of God. Matthew 9.38, Jesus says, Ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his fields. Ask. And so when you dwell on these passages and you emphasize them and you, you rehearse them in your mind, it will make it easier for you just to naturally share your faith. I personally think the best way to share our faith is naturally versus forced. It's difficult when we have occasions like this and we say, okay, we're going we're gonna to go out and we're going to do this, and here's the methodology we're going to follow. That's, that's difficult. It's, it's better to be natural. Everywhere you go, with everyone you see, let them know what God means to you. Don't be embarrassed or afraid. Number 10 is simply the reality we need to go. So this is really the practicum, and, and I, I mentioned it at the outset. It's not enough for us to talk about it, think about it, even agree with it, believe it, but we need to do it. Jesus said, I appointed you to go. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Notice the emphasis on doing, not just knowing. The New Living Translation of the same passage says, For we are God's masterpiece. 
He has, create, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us to do long ago. And then the message, which is a paraphrase, he creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work that he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. It's just natural for us to do this. So those are 10 steps. And just to, in conclusion, let me just talk for a minute about methodologies. There's a lot of different ways to share our faith. Um, we're all familiar with the service, the church service model, where we basically have services uh, usually on Sunday, first day of the week, and we invite people to come. That can be a way to you, you know, to, to begin to witness, to to share, and tell people come over here and. Let, let, Come and see what we're doing. Come and see what we're experiencing. And, you know, then there'll be individuals that'll, that'll testify through song, and the pastor will speak and share a message, and there'll be opportunities for people to make decisions. Church services and church events is a good way to evangelize. Prayer evangelism is another good method. I think that's what you used during your first session. And there are a lot of people that are disposed toward that. They, they really want to utilize prayer. They're, they're praying as they go. And when they meet people, they're talking to them about prayer. Can I pray with you about something? Is there a need? But I'll be honest with you, there are some people that that isn't as comfortable for. They're not as comfortable asking people, well, what can I pray with you about? That's just an awkward way for them to present. So you find the methodologies that work for you, but they're all good. Street preaching is another. I remember when I was a young believer, um, called to the ministry, and I had attended a couple conferences in Arizona, in churches that really were committed to evangelism. And, and their methodology was they, they, they believed if you were called that you needed to go out into the streets and you needed to preach on the street corners. And so literally we did. We, we went in Tucson and we went in Phoenix and we would go down to these busy street corners and set up a soapbox, literally a box you would stand on, and without a microphone, without any kind of amplification, just begin preaching. And of course, for those who had never preached, it's really awkward to, to, to begin to do. And for those that had experience and who really felt the call to preach, and you've seen some of these types, uh, maybe at sporting events, sometimes they get a little belligerent and they're yelling at people. And that's, that's not always effective. So we really want to season that with salt. So a group of us, I was living in Vail, Colorado at the time. We decided to go downtown into the, into the community of Vail. Here's a ski town. People are coming to this little tourist area to have dinner and drinks or to, to, to you know, go to the shops. And we decided we'd try it there. And, and trust me, it just wasn't really effective in the little streets of Vail, Colorado, to be yelling at people that they needed Jesus. People really weren't very interested. But they're just different methodologies for different occasions. There's the door-to-door -door methodology, where we go door-to-door, -door sharing uh, our faith, uh, doing surveys. Uh, when we started Metro here back in the 80s, we, we got a big bus, and we'd drive the bus through neighborhoods, and then we'd have people get off the bus and go knock on doors and invite their kids to come to our children's ministry. And that would, would of course, be on either Saturday or Sunday. But once you use that as sort of the... That was the introduction. That was the, that was the stepping off point. When somebody showed an interest, then you could go on and talk about your faith in Jesus Christ. You don't always have to start with saying, you know, are you sure you'd go to heaven if you died tonight? You can, but you don't have to start off just with an in-your-face, you know, the wages of sin is death. 
Are you right with God? Do you want to get saved today? Because that's awkward and, and often not received. So you can do a survey. We're, we're uh, just doing a survey today in the area. I was wondering if I could ask you a few questions. You can say we're from a local church, but there are just different ways that you can come up with to share, to, to open the door. Then there's event evangelism where uh, we might do a promotion. I, I remember we had numerous citywide events and we would go out and invite people to those events. Uh, we also would go sometimes to community events and we would simply go uh, and, and intend on trying to engage people and be sensitive and then when opportunity arose, share our faith. And then the last is witnessing with tracks. Witnessing with tracks. And that's what we're going to do today. Um, there are different types of tracks, some very short, a page or two, some that are a little longer. We have one we're going to use here today. It's called What on Earth Am I Here For? And uh, this is just a little booklet. It's very simple. And we're going to give this out to people. And as we give it out, um, as you feel led, you know, the question is pretty, pretty straightforward. What on earth am I here for? You can just start sharing a little bit about how you learned the importance of that question at a point in your life, and you would start sharing about what you've experienced. You might just feel like, gosh, I just, I'm not comfortable doing that yet. So you just give someone the little booklet, and you'll see that some will take it and put it in their pocket or purse, and they'll keep it, and they'll read it later. Some people, they'll hold on to it, and as soon as you walk away, they'll throw it on the ground. They're not interested. You never know. But witnessing with tracks can be very effective, a simple track or something a little bit longer like this. And what we're really looking for is we're looking for people that are open, people that have an interest. They have a question, and we're just sort of breaking the ground, breaking the ice, and uh, then if you have a focus uh, on prayer evangelism, you could ask them, is there anything I could pray with you about? Or, or you could go right into sharing your testimony. Or you could actually read the booklet with them or at least highlight several things. I always recommend that you write your name in it and your phone number. Or if you don't want to put your personal phone number, you put information about a church that they could attend. You, you give them somebody that they could reach out to. It's a shame to put something into someone's hands with nowhere for them to turn. So in my case, I, I always use a rubber stamp, and I stamp my name with my phone number and email so people could reach out if they want to. But you can do that just with a pen. Just say, you know, if, if you need anything. And you can personalize that. You could do it while you're actually talking with somebody. Let me write my name down for you, and if you have any questions, here's how you can reach me. Or invite them to your local church. So, so that, I hope, is helpful. That just uh, sort of a quick overview, and I know we covered some of the things that uh, basically Jason covered in the first session, and uh, we touched on things he'll cover in the next session again, but we want to go out and we want to be effective for, for God's name. So let's close in prayer real quick. Father, we want to be your witnesses. We want to be faithful. We want to be willing to share, to give answers to people that ask us, and to openly let people know that you've made a tremendous life-changing difference in our lives. You've taken us from darkness into the light, and now we want to be the light of the world. We want to be the salt of the earth. We know that all we can do is sow. All we can do is water. All we can do is share our part, but you give the increase, and we ask for increase. We ask for you, the Lord of the harvest, to bring people into your family and to also send people into the harvest field to work with us, to labor together until you come you did say this gospel, this good news of the kingdom would be preached in all the world as a witness to every nation. Then the end would come. We want to be busy doing your business, Lord. In Jesus' name, 
and in Jesus' strength. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.